Hello there. I just came out of the White House for a few minutes to get a little fresh air. With all these quarantine orders, I'm feeling a little cooped up like many of you, but we've all got to do our part. By the way, although at the moment I'm not able to visit schools, senior residences, libraries, museums, and the like in person, I'm still available to do programs. Through the wonders of modern technology, I can visit you wherever you're at. Virtual visits, they call them. Welcome to Drinking with Lincoln from WNIJ, where we explore Abraham Lincoln's life, land, and legacy through the eyes of the people who know him best, Lincoln presenters. Each episode, we typically learn a little about Lincoln's life, and then I sit down with our guest Lincoln for a drink and get to know them and get their take on America's most popular president. But this episode is a little different for obvious reasons, because we're in a quarantine. The Lincolns and myself are all sheltering at home. I'm your host, Clint Cargow. So WNIJ, the producer of this podcast, is, like all public radio stations, reporting almost exclusively on the coronavirus. And our team of awesome and dedicated reporters are working round the clock to bring the latest news to our listening area here in northern Illinois. And I noticed several news pieces that focused on how the quarantine was affecting everyday life for certain professions. So students and educators, healthcare professionals, also artists and municipal employees, and basically people from all walks of life because obviously everybody is affected by this in some way. So I got to thinking, what about the Lincoln presenters? Their entire job consists of mingling with the public, speaking before groups, especially students, and shaking hands and getting their pictures taken with excited Lincoln fans of all ages. Some of the guests I've interviewed on this podcast portray Lincoln as a side gig, something they do for fun, for the love of Lincoln, for the love of sharing history. And as a bonus, they might make a little extra money on the side. But for others... They are full-time Lincolns. It's their bread and butter. If they can't appear as Lincoln, then they're basically unemployed. So for this episode, I wanted to reach out to some previous guests and find out how they're handling the quarantine. But what I'm most interested in is, what are they doing, if anything, to adapt to this new work environment? Also, does Lincoln have any words of wisdom to get us through this crisis? And, just for fun, what have they been up to since last time we spoke? I'll be talking to Kevin Wood, Michael Krebs, and Laura Keyes. And by the way, I'm all out of beer, so I'm drinking a certain type of cola that has been mixed with a certain type of whiskey, and it is delightful. And now I'm going to get out of your way and jump into these interviews. First up, Kevin Wood, who kind of jump-started this series because he was my first Lincoln interview back when I didn't really know what this show was. Kevin keeps a comprehensive calendar of all his upcoming events on his website, MrLincoln.com. It's insane how many presentations he books. Sometimes it's every day of the week, multiple presentations a day, and he's booked months in advance. So I started off by asking him, how's business? The Lincoln business took a big, big hit, obviously. So we're trying to weather the storm at the same time, trying to be a little proactive and looking for new avenues, the whole virtual programming thing, and just hoping <laughs> that this uh, we come through this sooner rather than later because some of the Lincolns are, uh, you know, part-time Lincolns. They, they have a real job and then they, they do Lincoln on the side. And I, I was at once upon a time, but now I'm one of the full-time Lincolns, which means this is my livelihood. Yeah. I saw on your website that you had your calendar was pretty booked all the way up until, uh, right around mid-March and then it just stopped. So I had, I was in Wisconsin, you know, March 12th was Thursday. We started hearing the rumblings of things going on and then that Friday, and then uh, all of a sudden, it just hit. Two programs on Saturday canceled. I came home, 
And from mid-March through end of April, everything, absolutely every in-person event has been canceled. And it's creeping into May now. Got a few in May canceled. And I got one in June. I got one in July canceled already. Well, I know NIU had an event that got canceled that you were supposed yeah, to be Yeah, your own wife knocked me out. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, over, I think I've kind of lost count, but about 35 programs canceled, which represents about $9,000 of income. Wow. And if May gets wiped out, which is looking at this point like it very well could happen, that's another 8000 I think I calculated. Because so, you're 100% live events. Up, up until March 13th, right. it was 100% live. So how are you transitioning? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of video conferencing, that kind of stuff in the past and other lives. So I said, well, you know, it's not the ideal thing because I think it really makes a... It, it, it's very different having Abraham Lincoln physically present with you being versus on a screen. But I basically just thought of all the different ways that I could present virtually and threw it out there and started letting people know that I was available and seeing what interested people. And uh, at this point, I've got, I think I got about a dozen people, about half libraries, half senior residences, who have either already booked me or are, were, were in discussions. Had my first two virtual programs already, two libraries, both pre-recorded. So that's one option. I do pre-recorded videos that you can put on uh, either the facilities, YouTube or Facebook, or I can put them on my own and share a link. Do you still get or, paid for that? Yeah. Okay. still get paid. Not as, not as much, but still get paid. Actually, the first library did go ahead and pay me what they're going to pay because they already had the check cut. But for the other ones, I, you know, I put a little bit of a discount since I don't have to travel there. Right. So that's one option is pre-recorded. The other option is something live. And so through video conferencing, Zoom or Skype, or through live streaming, either on YouTube Live or, or Facebook Live, I'm offering that. And I have my first two video conference programs coming up in the next two weeks, both on Zoom. So people will have an opportunity to ask you questions and that sort of thing. Yeah, the advantage of video conferencing is it's two-way. So I can do my program, but at the end we can do Q&A, just like I would do at a regular event. Did you have to become a multimedia expert really fast to throw all well, these Well, I, I, just like everyone else, been a, a learning curve. <laughs> uh, maybe in my case it wasn't quite as steep as it's been for some people, but uh, I'm learning. Just today I'm going back and forth with somebody who can't get my YouTube video to, to play. It's supposed to be a private link and it's not working, so we're trying to figure out how to get them to play my video. Yep, so it's a definitely a learning process. Some expense, obviously, too. I had to invest a little bit. I had to upgrade my video editing program on my computer. Mm -hmm. uh, I, had to, I bought a, a green screen. In fact, I'm speaking to you from my, my little studio. I got set up here. I've got my green screen on the wall. I got my uh, laptop pointing toward it. I got my lighting, uh, which is just a hodgepodge of lights <laughs> I found. <laughs> and I did a lot of experimenting. It took about a week kind of experimenting with lighting, with exactly how to, where to put the camera. And it's, get, it's getting better. The first one wasn't, wasn't so great. Well, no one expects Abraham Lincoln to be tech-savvy. So. No, no, and it sure beats the telegraph. You know, I, that's what I offered first. I said, I can do programs by telegraph. <laughs> yeah, well, if you saw my studio here, you'd be, uh, you'd be amazed. I got tables and things being used in ways they were never used before. <laughs> games to help raise up the computer a little bit higher. Yeah, I got a little bit of everything. Actually, I'm at my church because I got more room here. And I, 
and we're unfortunately not using the church building for anything else these days. So, oh, that's true. So you just yeah, travel from there to your apartment, and yeah, I'm a half mile away. So I came over on my bicycle today. I leave my Lincoln stuff here, even, and I can change here and go back home. You don't ride your bike as Lincoln down the street. <laughs> I don't, but I have done that. You know, in the yeah. summertime, I, I'm hoping this summer is like most summers. We get to do our Fourth of July parade. I always ride to the Fourth of July parade, ride my bike through Oak Park, and wave at people on the way, and then walk to parade, and then come back and ride my bike home. I just had a funny image in my head of a lone Abraham Lincoln riding his bike down the empty quarantine streets of Chicago and what that would look like to the people above watching down from their windows. So another thing that happened because of the quarantine, the Association of Lincoln Presenters had to cancel their annual conference this year. I wanted Kevin's perspective on this because he sits on the association's board. We had a very agonizing week of discussions back in mid-March where, you know, at first people resisted. I resisted, definitely resisted canceling. But in the end, it was inevitable. And so we had to um, had to cancel. Uh, you know, a lot of the Lincolns uh, are, are a bit older. Uh, I'm a pretty young Lincoln. I'm only 53, I think. I've lost track. But uh, a lot of the Lincolns are in their 70s and their 80s. And so there was concern pretty early on with that age group in particular coming out to a, an event in the middle of this pandemic. Right. Yeah, so we had to cancel. We talked about doing something virtual. Uh, I pushed for that. But again, with, with this particular population, there was concern that a lot of them really weren't technologically uh, interested in, in doing that. And um, Well, you are on the cutting edge of technology as far as uh, a lot of Lincolns are concerned. Yeah, you? I have not actually had much conversation with others. I don't know what others are doing. I would imagine that there are a few others who are embracing this uh, you know, reality and needing to do virtual programming if they're going to do any programming at all. But I know there are others who are just you know, kind of waiting out the storm. So um, just hoping that <laughs> it doesn't last so long that it's, uh, in my case, uh, I mean, I, I can hold out for a while, but the virtual programs, uh, I, I'm not nearly going to supply what I've lost in the in-person programs, at right. least not in the short term. So if this is uh if this is still our reality six months from now, Abe may have to hang up his hat and find a real job. Well, I hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah. I don't know if Abraham Lincoln himself ever had to face a national virus, but he did have to face probably the biggest national crisis our country had ever faced. Do you think yeah. he had any words of wisdom for times like this? Well, I think he had a lot of words of wisdom, and let's not forget that. The 19th century was a century which was ripe with pandemics and disease. You know, even the Civil War, we're often reminded that of the perhaps 650, 700,000 soldiers who died, probably two-thirds of the soldiers died of disease. And both during the Civil War and before, there were cholera epidemics. There was, uh, there was malaria. Malaria is different, but there was uh, typhoid. Lincoln's son, Willie, died of typhoid. There are all sorts of things going on. So. Lincoln certainly had some things to say. You know, in, in the first, his first, what I think today we call the State of the Union Address, which back in the day was the annual message to Congress, he, well, actually it was his second one, it was 1862. He had issued his draft Emancipation Proclamation, and he was gave his, his message to Congress and had this plan to uh, gradual compensated emancipation, which is something he had offered before and which Congress had not bitten on. 
But he thought this was a way to end the war more quickly. Uh, well, actually end the war, which would, of course, save money and it would save lives. So he offered this to Congress and Congress, you know, thought about it. And in the end, it was partisan and sectional bickering, which prevented them from adopting it. But Lincoln had some inspiring words. And he says, uh, the dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. The occasion is piled high with difficulty, and we must rise with the occasion. As our case is new, so we must think anew and act anew. We must disenthrall ourselves, and then we shall save our country. Fellow citizens, we cannot escape history. We of this Congress and this administration will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare one or the other of us. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down in honor or dishonor to the latest generation. This is his attempt to, to get Congress to adopt his plan. And as I said before, in the end, Congress did not. And we had two and a half more years of civil war and many more deaths. And anyway, for what that's worth. All right. Well, Kevin, thanks for talking to us. You're welcome. And I hope you the best. Stay well. And hopefully you. you can uh, you get back to it soon. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, spread the word. If anyone needs a, a Lincoln, even a virtual Lincoln, uh, you know, I'm available. And we'd love to help out. All right. All right. Well, good. Nice talking to you. Hope to be able to see you in person sometime. We'll try to get you back here to DeKalb. Okay. I'd love to come. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All righty. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Lynn. All right. Always good to hear from Kevin Wood. Next up is Laura Keyes. I first met Laura and her husband Robert about a year ago at our Drinking with Lincoln Live launch event, where she was Mary Lincoln to Kevin Wood's Abe Lincoln. Then we featured her in an episode earlier this year. In addition to Mary Lincoln, Laura also performs as Laura Ingalls Wilder, Irene Adler, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. She also travels around the country giving history lectures on everything from lighthouses to the Hershey Chocolate Company. And on top of all that, she is also the director of a library. Here's Laura Keys. I'm sincerely trying not to stress myself out. It's extremely hard being the director of a library and not being able to go to the library and just running a library from home and two laptops. And I'm really not understanding people or, or just jokes that you see on Facebook about like, oh, I'm sitting around doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, who are you? And how <laughs> do you sit around and do nothing? I'm working 10 hours a day and driving myself crazy. I don't know why you think I'm at home and bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Can you remind me again which library you're the director of? Yes, it's called Dunlap, Dunlap Public Library. And it's a little town just north of Peoria. And yeah, we closed starting the evening of March 16th. And the staff still came into work. Some of the staff, I should say, still came into work for about five days after that. And then in anticipation of the governor's shelter in place order, we just said all the staff are working from home. I still go in about twice a week, really briefly. It's usually to pick up a document or my desktop computer needs to be like restarted so that I can get some documents remotely on my remote laptop, stuff like that. Is it weird going there and it's completely empty? Unfortunately, I'm kind of getting used to it, but yeah, for a while it was weird. And I'm serious, Clint, when I locked, I was the last one to walk out of the library after we locked it up and we closed it up for patrons and I cried as I drove home. Mm. I cried. 
and it is not the thing that librarians are trained or used to doing, which is locking the doors of the library. That is something that we avoid at all costs. And we have had calls and emails. They're not nasty, but they're people and they're very frustrated. Why aren't we opening the library? Why can't we just, they'll, they'll tell us what books they want, just leave them outside the door. <laughs> and no, we're not doing that. And the whole point of this is to stay at home. Don't right. even get out of your home. And I and it's it's it makes me very sad that it we are limited in what we can do. We of course tell them about ebooks and other other things that they can read and um perhaps they're not comfortable with that or perhaps they don't have a good internet connection. I do not know. What kind of programs are you offering? Well, we did buy a Zoom license and so we can host Zoom meetings and right now we're hosting our book talks are for even for our small size library. I am so proud that we have five regular book clubs that meet monthly. Also, again, which is fantastic for our size library, we have five free weekly yoga classes. And those we are transitioning into offering those through Zoom. Okay, that's um, cool. Yeah. So, so far, that's what we've got. Robert actually put something together. He's going to do a talk about waking your bike up for spring. <laughs> and so he took a bunch of pictures of, of a bike that he fixed up, and it's it's going to be great. It's a simple little talk, but again, it actually, that's something that people at home might have time to do. They right. might even be looking at an old bike and say, what am I supposed to do with this? And what is his job again? He is in the maintenance department at the Peoria Public Library. Okay. Yeah. So we are very lucky that they have not furloughed or even laid off any staff because libraries around the state are starting to do that. And it's it's actually very frightening because what the hell do those communities think are going to happen when you open that library back up? Right. You, you think those employees like every single one of them is going to come back because they were furloughed. They're already looking for other jobs. A library is the center of the community and it's not at all good PR when you start furloughing employees. Right. So that's already been happening around the state and it's depressing and it's scary. Well, what's happening with your historic characters? Are you doing anything with them? Anything different or are they on hold for right now? Everything's actually kind of on hold right now. Um, the last presentation that I gave was actually the 13th of March when a lot of libraries and even some schools in Illinois were starting to announce that they were transitioning or that they were getting ready to close or something like that. That was my last presentation. It was actually a Laura Ingalls Wilder presentation and 15 of my programs have been canceled just so far. Mm -hmm. And I'm certain more will be canceled. Some folks that have me booked for May or June, I've contacted some of them and, and some of them have said, oh yes, let's go ahead and reschedule for some date further on in the year. And some of them are saying, no, we might still, let's just wait and see. But yeah, since this was always a part-time 
endeavor of mine. I don't have that many canceled as, as other historic performers. And have you heard about what other historic performers are doing? Yes. A number of friends and acquaintances of mine have mentioned that they're trying to transition to giving performances virtually through you know, a variety of different platforms. I know that some folks have also recorded themselves. So they've actually made a small video of their presentation and then made that video available to library, museum, or school. I don't know if that is advantageous for them. Mm-hmm. It's always wonderful to share history. And, and that's why so many of us started doing this for our own individual reasons, but for the overall reason of sharing history, it's still best to do that in person, doing these virtual presentations, whether they're pre-recorded or whether they're live, it really does lose something. And it's, it's not as easy to do it. I, from an actor standpoint, it's not as easy to perform to just uh, in front of a laptop. It's easier to do that with live people in the room. And I think that it loses something looking at it from a, you know, a child's perspective. It, it loses something if, if you can't meet Mary or Abraham Lincoln right there in the room with you. If you're still looking at them through a screen, it, it loses something. I worry a little bit that the landscape for living history presentations, as well as other types of presentations. I, I know that I've mentioned before, I give illustrated lectures mm-hmm. on other topics in history. I do worry that those kind of programs will be discouraged in the future, that museums, schools, and libraries will be very cautious to hire and arrange for any of these programs in the future because of public health concerns. Right. It's something that is very disconcerting to me because there are so many people who have this wonderful talent of bringing history to life, bringing members of the Lincoln family to life. And I worry that this might die down. It will never go away completely, but I do worry that it will die down. Um, The Association of Lincoln Presenters had to cancel their conference for 2020. And it's sad, not only because you're not able to see your friends and acquaintances that are, you know, live all across the nation, but you're also not able to just have the fellowship and, and learn from each other and network with each other, which is so helpful in this little industry that we've created for ourselves that lends itself to being very independent. I thought I'd wrap up by asking Laura if she had any plans to adapt her historic characters to the online world. As a librarian, I can't help but want to share books as well as stories from history. And so what I'm hoping to do is to practice doing a short video, even though I I just mentioned that video is not ideal, but a short video story time. I would be in character and be in costume, but then read a story you know, a picture book about that character. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yes, and not only share it among my own social media and website, Historic Voices, but also through the library that I'm the, the director of, my library's website and social media, because it is a story time for children. But 
in the midst of all of this, I have to suddenly learn how to film and edit video. <laughs> so, so that's a new skill that I need to learn how to do. I know everybody's going to come out of this whole thing as uh, multimedia experts. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sent an email to Kevin Wood and the first thing he said was, do you want to do it over Zoom? Because I've gotten very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good to catch up with you. Sure thing, Clint. Thank you very much. As I have mentioned on previous podcasts, 2020 marks the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage. There were events planned for the whole year to mark the occasion. Laura Keyes was scheduled to take part in several of these events, so I hope some of the celebrations can be salvaged or rescheduled, perhaps later in the year, and she'll still be able to take part. I just want to remind my listeners that this podcast is produced by WNIJ, Northern Public Radio, And right now, more than ever, WNIJ needs your help to keep reliable, fact-based reporting on the air and online. Make a donation today, right now even. Just go to WNIJ.org, click that red donate button, and thank you for your support. But wait, where does your support go? As I mentioned, the news and shows like this one, but also to other unique programming, like our podcast series, Teacher's Lounge, hosted by Peter Medlin. This was already a great resource for education issues in our area, but now it's become a necessary resource for tracking how the COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact our schools and our students. So be sure to check out Teacher's Lounge with Peter Medlin every other Friday on WNIJ.org or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now back to Drinking with Lincoln. Our last Lincoln is Michael Krebs. I had interviewed Michael in late 2018 at the dedication of a new Lincoln statue in Naperville, Illinois, the Laughing Lincoln statue. Michael remembers it well, including a little trickery we pulled at the brewery. Here's Michael Krebs. Hello, Clint. Hello, Michael. Hey, can you hear me crystal clear with my headset on, my $10 headset? (laughs) I can hear you pretty good. Uh, I mean, if you you would laugh if you saw my setup. I've got a I got a microphone propped up on a kids karaoke machine right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. What do you want to talk about? And well, I, do you want to talk about what we're going to talk about before we talk about it? Or I guess we could just start with uh, what you've been up to since last time we talked. That was for the dedication of the uh, Laughing Lincoln statue. Mm-hmm. And I want to say to you right now, Clint, uh, just to tell everybody out there that what we did there that day, we slid a beer in front of me and I didn't drink it because we did the interview before I was going to do the dedication that day. And I'm glad I didn't have that beer because you'll probably remember that hill I had to walk down (laughs) (laughs) to get to the statue. And uh, I didn't want to be laughing too much at the laughing Lincoln. So, uh, (laughs) but I'm going to be perfectly honest with your audience and do memory of that first meeting we had. I do have a glass that I have not drunk. It is a beautiful glass of scotch. (laughs) Glenn Fittich, so I will fulfill a little bit of that today by toasting you and looking for better days. (laughs) Toast to you, my friend. 
I so thank you. I'm, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> and I'm uh I will toast you back with my coffee since All right. it's the middle All of the right. day and I have to uh, teach my kids. So <laughs> <laughs> those that have that responsibility. Yeah. Well, in a small way, you know, that's interesting because I've been looking at my analytics on my YouTube page and uh noticing some videos God, that I put up 13 years ago going through the roof right now. The Lincoln-Douglas debates, I had put up three videos that I had used and had permission to use from C-SPAN, and I categorized them as the question of slavery, the Nebraska Act, and the Compromise of 1850, broke it up into educational segments, about seven minutes each, and they're going through the roof right now. So I can tell there's a lot of homeschooling going on, and people are looking for ways to move on with that kind of educational resources that are out there. I feel I've been a little luckier than some in all this, that I've been called on with Lincoln's wisdom and own timely words to uh, make some commercials. Uh, One franchise that I've been working with for years, Honest Abe Roofing in Terre Haute, went down there last Friday and filmed a commercial for first responders. Hmm. And an unusual setup, you know, that it was just three of us in the room keeping respectable distance and doing this public service announcement. I, I, you know, I'm seeing the world shift. I've lost all my calendars, just been completely cleared for God knows how long. But it's been a shift in, well, this has been canceled, but we'd like to do this instead. And another one is Macomb instead of a statue dedication that they wanted to do on April 18th. And even the uh, final work on the statue itself was held up because of all this. I'm going to go down probably early May. And, you know, for my own safety and everything else, I'll drive in there early in the morning, work with two or three people outside. We're not going to have the statue, but what we're going to try to do is just do three key locations outdoors. It's another public service kind of thing in lieu of having to postpone so many events. And I felt so lucky last year that I was able to be part of uh, Lincoln and the Transcontinental Railroad. Traveled all over the country because of the work on the railroad shortly after Lincoln's death that was really honored. It's almost like a JFK thing with going to the moon that, by God, this railroad's going to be finished because that's what Lincoln wanted. So, I mean, there were so many great projects that I'm always constantly amazed as I walk through the years doing Lincoln that there's yet another anniversary. (laughs) And one I haven't even thought about till just recently is wow, we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, yeah. 1922? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think about these things that far in advance, but it's always been amazing to me. There's something else that came from Lincoln that we now look back on and go, wow, Lincoln did that too? <laughs> so I feel lucky in, in the grand scheme of things, but... When it comes to others that are affected in this, I I certainly feel their pain. We're all waiting for something, you know, bailout, some security from our government and what happens next and the different world it'll be when the doors open again. The uncertainty is, I'm sure for many people, is unbearable. 
I, I don't know. In my age group, maybe we have a little put away for a rainy day where we can survive something like this. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that struggle through the arts that can't afford a payment on a car. So this is going to affect them more than anything. And uh, how do we open the doors? How do we return to normal? And what effect will that have on audiences? Do you think that even when the doors do open again, that this could put a damper on live events and your speaking engagements? Or do you think they're just going to bounce right back? Uh, I, I think we're at the uh, mercy of science on this. I feel in the next several months, we're going to be astounded by the breakthroughs that laboratories are working through around the clock on this. We're just far away from that now. We're in the trenches. This is just a common war battle scenario right now. We gain a little and we lose a little footing every day on this. So there's not really any time to think about that next part of returning. It's We're in the midst of the battle right now. And, you know, I I guess that's why we look so much to Lincoln in this. You can do a lot of comparisons, you know. Could we have seen something like this coming for years? This was thought of with the issue of slavery. And are we kicking the can down the road and waiting for somebody to deal with this later? And I think it's the same words he was trying to rally the country with. His address to Congress in 1862 is is just eloquence in how we had to move forward on this. And I think that's why so many people are looking at this as a comparison, because it's the same thing. We have a war in our country, not unlike the Civil War in many respects, just that the battlefield is everywhere now. Do you happen to have that speech in front of you or part of it? Well, you know, it's strange because when I went down to Terre Haute to make this public service, I don't even think I got a chance to look at the transcript for what they were thinking of. But um, while we were setting up, I said, well, you know, I've had time to think about this, you know, nothing else to do but worry about coming down here and what to do. And it's something I've used for years in my reelection speech. And it's how Lincoln fires up Congress in his speech on December 1st of 1862. It begins, the dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to this stormy present. The present occasion is piled high with difficulty, and we must rise with this occasion and meet its challenge. As our case is new, so we must be willing to think anew and act anew in order to preserve for all people that which is still the last best hope of earth. What I changed at the end of that was, Lincoln says, or we will meanly lose the last best hope of earth. But I felt using that exact quote was a little too hard to give us a public service announcement that was in thanks to the fire department, the police department, and first responders medical. I didn't want to have that in Lincoln. And besides, it didn't fit into a 30-second spot. So (laughs) the words I just gave you there 
are what I think is the most eloquent part of that whole delivery. Right. The dogmas of the quiet past is just eloquence. The last best hope of earth is what the inspiration that Lincoln gives us today. Right. And do, do we all take it seriously? And do we all deal with it? And I, I, I guess that's the real frustration. I don't know what you feel like. I, I guess you're able to work from home. And I'm yeah. able to wiggle my way through this a little bit, but I almost feel like when I go out and I'm of the age where I can use that special senior time to go to the grocery store, I almost feel like I'm the one that's being quarantined <laughs> and I have the virus and everybody else is working around me. Mm-hmm. The box boys running real quickly by me, quickly stocking shelves with what they can that day. And the poor people behind the counters with their plastic shields now and my wearing a mask and talking to a woman I've talked to for years and wondering if she can even recognize me behind my mask, you know, but mm-hmm. my thanking her and how much, how grateful I was for her being there and uh, her thanking me back for that. Thank you. It's just, I, I guess what we're going to see out of all this is a, the only good thing that'll come out of this, but I've seen so dark and political times in the last year, two years, three years, is now we're going to see the real America. This is where the forgiveness, this is where you see what we're all about. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the one silver lining out of all this. You're pretty tied into the theater community in Chicago. What are they going through right now? I imagine most of their work is being thrust into helping other organizations that they worked through without throughout their life. You know, like, what can we do right now? I'm sure my actress is making mass as quickly as she can. You know, like, it's become a big thing in the arts community. How, how can we use our talents to do whatever we can? And what's your actress's name again? Deborah Ann Miller. She's had her calendar completely cleared because of all this as well she just does wonderful library programs she's the president of uh, the chicago jane austen society i think it's the midwest jane austen society and she also does louisa may alcott and, and she performs so as these characters, characters. yes okay. uh, one person shows i'm proud of her that you know, some conversation we had to have years ago, you know, it's going to be a lot of times where they're not going to need you or they're not going to let me use you. So she's used that knowledge and branched off and made her own company of sorts. Sometimes I have to be careful of booking because she might have something else booked herself. But mm-hmm. we work well together and that's our constant bond. 22 years, 22 years together now. So technically we are married. well when you're not doing some of your abe appearances what do you do to pass the time to occupy yourself uh reading a little bit uh i guess i'm a little lazy that i've been going to remember all those advertisements you were getting on youtube months ago about the uh master's classes or like the great courses stuff like that yes yes exactly i started to look into those and started to delve into uh other topics 
catching up on things that I normally wouldn't spend time on because they are of great interest to me, but rarely have time to look at them. So I stepped out in March, but I think in April, I'm going to walk back in and just, uh, I'm ready and what can I do? So <laughs> I refuse to just grow a mustache and say, well, my time is done for a while and <laughs> wait for something to happen. Right. To me, this is that moment, like, remember poor Roy Scheider at the end of Jaws when he's sitting there with the stupid little pump mm -hmm. trying to pump the water out of the boat? Mm -hmm. And finally, he just throws the pump to the ground and what else can I do? <laughs> I think that's the moment I feel right now. Like right. Uh, I'm tired of just sitting here pumping the water out of the boat. What can I do here? I think we all feel that way. And I think that's the next step for everybody. All right. Well, Michael, it was good talking to you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you got to sip some scotch. Well, I had one sip, so it was a, a, a pretty sober. Lincoln <laughs> did give you a temperance call. Well, I enjoyed my coffee and uh, we'll have a virtual clink. <laughs> to you clint all right best of luck to you and all your audience keep safe we'll get through this together yes exactly and you too take care michael all right be well everyone i know that's it for our lincolns sounds like they're following the advice of their namesake as our case is new so we must think anew and act anew they are all certainly doing that we should all be doing that not that we really have a choice right now and for my part I will continue to do what I can to help preserve Illinois' most unique natural resource, its Lincoln presenters. Thank you for listening to the Drinking with Lincoln podcast, and thanks to Kevin Wood, Laura Keyes, and Michael Krebs for chatting on the phone with me. I wish you all the best, and just remember, this too shall pass. Our theme music was provided by Mannequin Torso. You can check out their music and other music from regional and touring bands on another WNIJ show, Sessions from Studio A. I'll drop a link in the show notes, which you can find at WNIJ.org. I'll also link to information on the Lincolns we talked to today. This show was produced by WNIJ, Northern Public Radio. There's a lot of great people who work here, and they're working hard to bring you the most up-to-date news on the COVID-19 pandemic. I hope to see them all again someday. Please donate to WNIJ to keep reliable local news on the air. All you have to do is go to WNIJ.org and click that red donate button. And if you like what you heard today, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, the NPR One app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And consider leaving us a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe, stay inside, and stay informed. Abraham Lincoln Abraham If you'd like a live event, we could do video conferencing via Zoom or Skype. And then there's always the good old telegraph, except that the video doesn't work so well with that. It comes through all pixelated, just a bunch of dots and dashes. I can even give you a little discount since I don't have to travel. Why, well, you can save yourself a few Lincolns. <laughs> For more information on my virtual programs, visit www.mrlincoln.com. Well, goodbye for now. I hope to hear from you soon. The Saturday.